This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and this is pain.tv slash gold. Folks, how is everyone doing out there? Welcome to episode 72. I hope everybody is doing great. You had a chance to listen to episode 71. It was jam-packed, folks. We talked about a lot of stuff on there. The technocracy is surrounding us, folks. But you know what? This is turning out to be fantastic. Fantastic. I've been having a lot of conversations with folks out there that are listening to the show, some very educated people with a wide range of skill sets. And so I'm starting to work on lining up folks as guests on this show. And if I haven't gotten back to you yet, I apologize. I will do that soon. Trust me. Uh, just having a conversation back and forth with someone on pain.tv slash gold and direct message. And they had sent me a couple of pieces of constructive criticism, and um, I accept those. I like those. It helps me get better. So I wrote them back, and I said, hey, you know what? I totally agree. It was something to do with some of the biology, the mental health stuff I was talking about. And I said, hey, if you have experience in this field, feel free to come on. The floor is yours. I want you guys to school me, to educate me. Uh, I want to expand my knowledge. And if you have hundreds of hours of research into a particular topic, as I do on certain topics, uh, come on and talk about it. Share that with the audience. Share that with the community. That's what we are here for in part. Uh, I don't have 100 hours, say, to research every single topic. Uh, you just don't have it even that, that, that many hours in a day or in your lifetime. So come on here and school me. So we had a back and forth discussion. I think it is going uh, fantastic to be honest and so hopefully this person is going to come on the show they have a very uh, deep background in a number of subjects they want to talk about solutions to the problems they want to talk about jury nullification which we had a discussion with uh, in regards to legal man and so I said hey come on here let's start talking about solutions I've been focused on trying to share what I've been doing in my personal life what my wife and I have been doing you guys are very well aware of this people have sent me emails by the way uh, wishing uh, my wife and I good luck with the birth and uh, praying for us and we truly appreciate that you're also fantastic it's like a family over here the family of gold pillars 
And so we do appreciate that. And I have a show, a whole week of shows set up. I mentioned to you, but I'm waiting for the uh, birth to happen first, where I'm going to bring on our doula who is a wealth of knowledge, uh, at least one of our midwives, hopefully our uh, last our pediatrician, who is one of the last old school pediatricians, focuses on a holistic approach, possibly our uh, homeopathy consultant, maybe a homeopathy doctor that we just got introduced to, one of the farmers who we've been buying all of our organic food from over the last several months and this way i can teach you uh about what we did how we withdrew from the rockefeller medical complex how we did it why we did it uh where we're going with that in the future and meet the people behind the wonderful team that we were able to put together folks to manage this home birth and to try to keep us out of the rockefeller medical complex system and so that's what i'm going to be doing here that's what we been doing talking about small solutions that you can do in your personal life and so hopefully that person will come on and we i I said look i don't want to do a bulleted list on this show I would rather have you come on. We have an unplanned discussion, and let's see where it goes. Let's talk about things. Let's just war game ideas right on the show. And so it's interesting because there's another person who I've had uh, at least two. This might have been the third conversation. They have appeared on the Hotwire with Mike Moore over at Pain.tv an extension of the Thomas Paine podcast. If you're interested in the Hotwire, you could sign up at Payne.tv slash gold. That helps us out over here as well. But this person has appeared there. They were set to come on this show about a month or so ago, and then some stuff came up, and they have to be careful with what they discuss publicly because of the uh, job that they're in. But we just talked for two hours on the phone this afternoon about some ideas, some solutions, talking about jury nullification, talking about a public presentation that they are trying to uh, put together, which would feature various people from the Pain.TV network. Uh, Jim, who you know, Wide Awake on Twitter, who's going to be on the show November 4th. You know, Mike Moore, myself, this person, Maria Albanese, starting to put a presentation together on all the different elements that make up the future plans of the social engineering class. And each of us talk about different things. Obviously, I focus on the technocracy, on transhumanism, on building this prison planet matrix, while at the same time working to engineer humanity out of existence. Jim has been talking about the financial aspect of this cbdc uh the bank for international settlements which you'll get into on uh this show uh, on the dust and gold standard on november 4th you know mike talking about the scams and the schemes through his experience maria albanese talking about some of the stuff she does so it was a really good conversation i said to him at the end see we should have just recorded that and put it out to the public because we just touched on tons of subjects we were talking about homeschooling we were talking about jury nullification we were talking about uh, marxism we were talking about uh this person is really into prepping in a realistic fashion so we were talking about what his short-term goals are his long-term goals uh what happens if uh You know, crap hits the fan. What's he going to do? And so we're only a couple of years apart. And it was just a fascinating conversation. So I said, listen, you don't need to be totally prepared. 
uh get your stuff together and come on the show and let's just have this conversation over again don't worry i'll throw different questions at you will make it interesting i mean we were talking about peter thiel elon musk joe rogan i mean a really 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 good conversation and what came out of it is i had told him that i had posed this question to magdalene rose when she was on as a guest the young 22 year old conservative who uh, has known maria albanese for a number of years and maria introduced me to her probably three or four years ago and so i said to him i had asked her what the 30-year plan was uh, by the so-called conservative movement or pro-american or liberty-loving folks and she said they didn't have one and so i said to him listen i told her the un has a 2030 plan a 2050 plan saudi arabia has a 2030 plan the world economic forum has plans going out for the next 50 years our enemies have plans they have an illustration of what their future looks uh the future that they plan looks like we need to have a plan so when we're fighting against their plans we also have to have something positive that we are presenting a vision that we are presenting presenting you know freedom vision 2050 how are we going to get there what does it look like and i'm not just talking about you know winning a majority in the house and the senate now what does our plan look like if we are saying no to the technocratic transhumanist prison planet matrix metaverse system then what are we advocating for are we trying to change the vision of the entire world the history of the whole i mean the future of the whole world or are we looking to promote a breakaway civilization where we live on a million acres in a half amish style and we just want the technocratic transhumanists to leave us alone whatever it is we have to come up with something like that so i'm hoping a lot of these discussions will take place right here on the show um rather than behind the scenes and be able to then either create some sort of a group inside of pain.tv slash gold or over on telegram however it may be where we can start to have discussions about these things because uh, not the person i just talked to but the one i mentioned before was saying to me they really want to get into solutions because all these years we just keep continuing to learn about all the horrible things that are happening and in the end we're just going to end up the most educated slaves ever in history and uh you know some of that i agree with but the other thing is i believe you can't really come up with solutions unless you truly understand the problem and you have to understand where it came from uh where we're at today and where it's going i always say that on this show now you don't have to know everything, but you need to have an understanding of where we're going. And you can't know everything because I could sit here and dig for hours upon hours upon hours. And I try to cover a lot of stuff, a lot of topics on this show as related to technocratic transhumanism and the players behind it, the money behind it, the government power behind it, as you know. And I'm sure you've done research over the years. You're doing research now just by listening to this show and then probably digging on your own. So obviously we can't do that forever. But once we understand what their 2030, what their 2050 agendas look like, uh, and I believe it is going to be a hybrid of sort of a prison planet system, an AI-driven government, uh, a technocracy here in the natural world combined with sort of this cyber metaverse 
world that they'll have some people living in. Once you have a clear understanding of what that looks like, then you can start to see all the technology being implemented today, all the figureheads in charge of it, all the oligarchs controlling the various sectors. Uh, then you start to recognize uh, that it's coming to life as we speak, and you're able to start to predict how long it's going to take them to get to that point, to whatever their utopia is. And then that gives you a certain amount of time to put your plan together and try to advocate for your plan. If you can wake people up to what is coming then maybe you can start to come up with, hey, let's buy a million acres and let's go build a new civilization or let's all move to a certain state and try to overthrow that state government, take that over, build a wall around that state. I mean, there's there's things that can be done, but they all involve, you know, organization, financial backing, uh, leaders, there's going to have to be leaders that want to lead this. Uh, otherwise, what happens is, I believe we, we can do these things in our personal lives. I can take where I live right now and continue to build these vegetable gardens around my house and try to isolate myself and then with a goal of either moving out to Poland in a rural area on 10 acres and or having 10 acres in a place like Tennessee or South Carolina or Florida or West Virginia, wherever that may be, and uh, build my own homestead. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I might be able to survive without being bothered by the government for 10 years, 15 years. But I know that's not going to end up being something that insulates my coming child. And so at some point, a large portion of people, a large number of people are going to have to organize, are going to have to come together uh, as some sort of a collective to build that on a grander scale. I don't believe we're going to change everyone's minds. At the same time, I struggle with the fact that, um, you know, a reality of having to be the leader and then force other people that don't want to live under my system to have to live under my system because then I'm no different than them. But at the same time, it's about survival, right? So I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I want to start having these discussions on solutions, solutions on things you could do in your personal life, and then solutions on things we can do together. So those are definitely going to be conversations coming up here. And some of this stuff, folks, tends to be theoretical, but at some point, someone is going to have to grab these things by the horns, these bulls by the horns, and run with them and turn them into a reality. Otherwise, the solutions that you discuss just become topics of conversation again. It's like someone who has 25 business ideas, but they never actually go and execute and build one. You know, 25 ideas for inventions, but they've never actually patented one. And so the solution game can become a problem as well because you just sit around and continue to war game without ever actually executing on these solutions. But we are going to work on that, folks, and I don't mind being someone who becomes the connective tissue between various of you uh, listeners out there. Maybe I bring a couple of you on at a time, and we have these discussions uh, on solutions. So we're not always talking about the problem, and I'm 100% 
on board with that, folks. I'm also 100% on board with taking a short break. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and I am Dustin Gold. All right, folks, another, uh, just a quick thing here on jury nullification, because Several of you have actually reached out to me on jury nullification, and then some people out of Legal Man's community reached out to me because they heard the interview I had with Legal Man. And I tried to uh, ask him some questions to provoke answers that were outside of what Legal Man normally talks about. I don't don't like to just... um, do interviews that regurgitate all the same things that that particular person talks about on their podcast. Uh, I'd like to try to mix it up a bit. And so with jury nullification, I asked him some questions related to sort of the real world instead of just a uh, you know theoretical discussion on jury nullification. Uh, and then after I got done with that, it really inspired me to start reading about jury nullification. And then the next morning on the show, the day after that, I forget what episode it was, I started to talk about jury nullification for about an hour and gave you some information on some grassroots organizing I had done in the past. And so I'm about to try to set up um, a couple of shows, maybe an hour long each, whatever legal man could commit to, where I start to talk to him about jury nullification. With him being the professor, the legal scholar, the king philosopher of jury nullification, uh, introducing what Lysander Spooner has talked about, but then me taking it from the approach of a community organizer, a pro-freedom and liberty Saul Alinsky, let's say, and start to ask him all these details. Like if we were going to do this in real life, if we were going to try to carve out an area, a district, a county to do a test pilot on jury nullification, education, and try to spark a movement how would that work? And so I'm going to try to uh, see if he's willing to do that. I had mentioned it before, and then other things came up. So I am going to try to do that and see if we could end up building a community on pain.tv slash gold or on Telegram or something where we can get people interested in talking about how to move forward with the jury nullification test pilot again i don't mind being the connective tissue i obviously can't take on leading a thousand projects i would never have time and i would spread myself so thin we would be successful at none of these but as far as being the person who sparks the conversation and connects people i am definitely willing to uh, play that role And so I'm going to start trying to push forward with that and see if I can get him to commit to those conversations. And he's got a pretty big group, pretty active group on 
Telegram. You could check that out. I think the group is Legal Man, the Quash. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people going back and forth and arguing inside there because we have a really hard time on our side actually agreeing on anything. Uh, and then it makes it very difficult to move forward with actually trying to become activists and move these ideas forward into the real world and out of the classroom. But we'll see if we can figure out how to get something going with that because a lot of you have been reaching out about this seem to be very interested apparently there's a trial going on right now uh one of the people i want to bring on as a guest had mentioned that i think a couple people might have mentioned it uh where jury nullification came up so hopefully we'll have those discussions and we'll be able to move this conversation forward all right, that's it on that, folks. What I'm going to do now is I, I want to return to this discussion we started at the end of episode 71 on Curtis Yarvin and Peter Thiel. And the reason why I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm not going to go into total depth on this, but I have to give you a few more pieces. And we're going to finish up this Vox article because I'm starting to do additional research into Peter Thiel. As you know, we spent several episodes on him, but he is instrumental in moving this technocracy and transhumanism forward. And so it's always interesting to poke into some of his henchmen. And uh, Peter Thiel is a very interesting character, as Joe Allen, who writes about technocracy and transhumanism for... Uh, Steve Bannon has said to me personally that Peter Thiel is complicated, therefore he hasn't touched him yet. There's nothing complicated about Peter Thiel. I mean, everything about him is out there, and you could see that he has billions of dollars in government contracts, and he's helping build a prison planet. He has talked openly about Christianity and transhumanism being very similar because they both offer immortality. He's been funding the Singularity Movement going back to 2006. He has multiple companies he's invested in that seek out immortality. He is a transhumanist. Um, I said he supports singularity. He's involved with the government, like, up to his eyeballs, actually up to the top of his head. So there's nothing really complicated about Peter Thiel. Uh, it's just your, people's willingness to talk about him. But he has money spread so far and wide, you never know who's actually backed by him, uh, who's connected to somebody backed by him. And so he pulls a lot of strings. And I'm not accusing anyone of this, but if you are going to talk about technocracy and transhumanism, but you are afraid to talk about Peter Thiel or his henchmen, then it tells me that you're either not serious about this uh you haven't fully enlightened yourself to this or you are connected to some networks that are probably influenced or funded by peter thiel and so i am a tiny tiny show but i'd love to have peter thiel on if he would come on and talk about this kind of stuff and don't worry folks it won't be like joe rogan i will not make it sound cool and hip to be a technocratic transhumanist, to force a uh, fascist prison planet system on people, or to talk about uh, having people upload their consciousness to the technocrats' cloud so that they could be immortal, godlike superhumans. No, no, no. Uh, that is not how the conversation would go. But we are not big enough to get Peter Thiel, folks. But if that ever happened, it would be a very interesting conversation. And over the next 
you know, 75 episodes. We're at 72 now. I will be so up to speed. I would be able to debate anyone on these topics, you know, from A to Z. Because that is uh, part of my goal is to make myself the expert on our side of this fight to preserve humanity or at least to find the people who want to remain natural humans and be able to break away into a new civilization and leave these people to mutilate themselves and upload their brains to some cloud. All right, so I want to finish this because I'm going to work my way back to the transhumanist papers that I found that are very important. And then I'm going to finish up on James Giordano. And we're going to kind of move the military and brain initiative and stuff like that to the side as we start to get into the next chapter. Uh, there's some more stuff we have to explore. There are some papers I have been digging up on the beginnings of technocracy. I think it's important to study those because we'll be able to look at what the plans were going back to 1919 and being able to see how far these guys have gotten. With technology, they are moving at warp speed, literally. And so it's important to understand this stuff, uh, as we'll also be bringing in these discussions on solutions that I mentioned earlier. And I'm always going to even push back against people offering solutions because we have to be realistic about the solutions as well. Again, you have things you can do personally, like I talk about and others talk about, and then we have things we can do as a group. But we have to come together and have an agreement on where we're going to go with this, what we're actually doing. So I will push back on the solutions as well and play the devil's advocate and try to figure out uh, how we could actually be realistic and maybe find some big solution project, maybe something like jury nullification, where we could come together, start pooling our resources and figuring out if we can actually move forward with an idea like that. And one of the guests that uh, the gentleman I talked to today for a couple hours uh, has some ideas uh, as well on how he wants to do outreach to uh, people, some businessmen he believes that are not actually part of this, but they just don't understand what's actually happening. They really don't understand our enemy and believes that if we could put a solid presentation together covering everything from you know, the plans coming out of the U.N. to the plans for the financial system uh, to the plans on technocracy, on transhumanism, that we will be able to possibly make some allies. You remember, folks, I frame it here that this is a war on humanity itself. It is a war to engineer humanity out of existence. Now, it's going to take them a while to get from A to Z. There are various bridges they have to cross. They're building some of those bridges now, but those bridges will eventually be demolished as they get to their final uh, solution, we'll call it, the final solution, which is the engineering of humanity out of existence. And I'm pretty sure there are people that might even seem to be corrupt that don't really know that this is the plan. And if they knew this was the plan and we could show them proof that this was the plan and show them the people and the money and the technologies behind this and show them the bankers that are involved, uh, how they're bribing the scientists and engineers to get on board with this, then maybe, just maybe, you might be able to get some money behind fighting back against this. Look, 
I'm the first one to say that there are no billionaires that are on our side in this battle. And to think that there's a billionaire who's going to come in and save us is just to be completely naive. But as Legal Man has so brilliantly pointed out, in the founding of our country, there were wealthy people who were on the side of funding the revolution and the rhetoric behind the revolution because those people were fighting back against the king. And in the case that we're in today, the wealthy people are on board with the king. But could we wake up some people that are not billionaires that are wealthy? Are there still some self-made people that didn't completely sell their soul to Satan or to the system? There has to be some out there. Not everyone could be promised immortality or whatever it is these technocratic transhumanists use to bribe people. Yes, it's a combination of the carrot and the stick. You know, a combination of bribery and blackmail and threats. Uh, you know, you could be rich if you stick with us. If you don't, we're going to kill your family. I mean, that's pretty much how they do it. But there has to be people that are not sociopathic, narcissistic, psychopath serial killers that if they understood, if they could see the proof in a concise hour presentation that this is what's actually happening and we have some people that were insiders who have worked within the system, people like Mike Moore who have been in the system and out of the system that have a decent resume and credibility through the eyes of these people. Remember, it's all through the eyes of the beholder. And these people understand that this is an orchestrated effort to enslave humanity uh, and to then eventually engineer humanity out of existence. Who knows? Who knows? We might be able to get some of those people on our side because at the end of the day i don't believe that they want to be engineered out of existence i don't believe that they're all sociopaths who are willing to throw their kids or grandkids to the wolves i mean the ones that are obviously are on the side of evil the ones who aren't maybe just don't realize what the truth is and if you show them what this world's going to look like 30 years from now the world their grandkids are going to have to grow up in maybe just maybe you can get some of these people on your side when i get back curtis yarvin ladies and gentlemen i am dust gold with the dust and gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. Before I jump into Yarvin here, let me just thank everyone who has signed up for pain.tv slash gold, folks. Thank you very much. You get the ad-free video version to the Dustin Gold Standard and the Thomas Payne Podcast and access to the Facebook-like website and app where you can communicate with a like-minded group of folks and share ideas. 
I get a lot of intelligence from there. I told you I'm meeting people all the time that reach out to me that I'm going to have on as guests. So it is a blessing to be part of that community. So I suggest you check it out. To everyone else listening on the free side, uh, please leave us a five-star review and a comment over at Apple Podcasts. It really helps us move up the charts, folks. And we are growing. I know there's a lot of you listening. And so... I think we're at something like, I, I don't know, Apple's weird. We were at like 75-star reviews, which is not bad for the first 70 episodes. Um, and then all of a sudden, in the last couple of days, five of them disappeared. So who knows what kind of rigging goes on over there. So I'd like to get that to 100. So if you haven't done that yet, please do so. Because after that, we have to grow to 1,000 of them. <laughs> it's just the way it works. We're sitting here playing the technocrats gamified game. But just do me a favor. I know you're listening to the show, which means you like the show. So please just leave a five-star review over there write a comment if you can just a couple of sentences i appreciate it it really does help all right let's get into this yesterday we left off uh and it was saying another post that spurred outrage discussed far-right norwegian mass murderer uh, uh anders brivik yarvin argued that the political organizations of left heroes like shea gravara and nelson mandela also murdered civilians and they should face condemnation too all right so we're talking about this curtis yarvin character folks if you don't know who he is listen to episode 71 and that will give you an understanding but basically this guy is behind the dark enlightenment the new right uh, neo-reactionary politics and one of his companies uh, was funded uh, by peter thiel he has the ear of peter thiel he apparently watched the 2016 election uh, in the company of peter thiel this guy has shifted and shaped uh, various movements on the internet he is uh, a software programmer software engineer out of silicon valley and so, a uh, very interesting character. I'll get Marie Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast, on Fridays to come on because she's done more research into uh, Curtis Yarvin than I have, but she wants me to talk about it because she said it's very important and does fall in line with what I've been talking about lately, which is this push to anoint Elon Musk as sort of the king of the technocracy. And so Yarvin, as we discussed yesterday, is really behind the idea of having a king, a monarch, a dictator, a CEO run the country. And he talks to the right, right? So he sells this idea that we're up against the left. We have to push back against the left. We have to to knock the left out of power and then fire all the bureaucrats, stuff we'd agree with. But then his answer to it is to have this all-powerful king who oversees the entire country and the king will answer to the people. But the only way that actually could happen, folks, is through technocracy. All right, let's say the people voted. Well, then you're back to a democracy, which he claims he is against a democracy. He wants to uproot uh, and reset the democracy. So if everyone, let's say, voted from an app, uh, then you'd be voting to the king and then the king would... Um, basically the king would move forward with the will of the people he'd enact the will of the people all right so again it's like peter thiel there's a lot of um a lot of things that don't add up don't make sense 
But I just want to give you a little more on Yarvin because this is important. Yarvin was out of the blogging game for the early Trump years, though he did attend Thiel's watch party for the 2016 election. But in his time away, his influence grew. Now, again, so now this guy is at Peter Thiel's watch party in 2016. So it tells you he's somebody, right? He's not just some dude in his mother's basement who is spouting off, you know, crazy ideology. He got money from Peter Thiel for one of his companies. Uh, He has inspired Blake Masters and J.D. Vance, candidates backed by Peter Thiel. Blake Masters works for Peter Thiel. So it's not just, he's not a nobody. He wields some sort of influence. It says, but in his time away, his influence grew. To some on the right, Yarvin's longtime obsession seemed both uh, present and clarifying. The cathedral anticipated the great awakening and the social justice wars, as Jacob Siegel has written, presidential powerlessness before the, quote, deep state, end quote, predicted Trump's struggles in getting his agenda done. All right. And so we could talk about uh, the cathedral later and the great awakening. Um, and, and here, if I'll just show you, if you want to do some research on this yourself, you can look up uh, Google Vox, the great awakening. A hidden shift is revolutionizing American racial politics and could transform the future of the Democratic Party. I'm not going to get into that today because I don't want to get totally off subject here. But it says, additionally, Trump himself proved a filter of sorts to the conservative intellectual class. As the president disclaimed the norms of classically liberal democracy, conservatives who were attached to those norms either self-selected out of the party or got purged. The pro-Trump intellectual space was taken by the new right. Thinkers arguing the left's control of culture, society, and government have gotten so bad that extreme measures were necessary to reverse it, and that previous GOP leaders were too hesitant to fully recognize they're in a war and need to fight back. All right, now, what I find to be quite interesting, folks, again, this is coming from Vox. This is from a left-leaning writer, but sometimes we can find the truth in these articles because we're so used to reading things that we agree with and then uh, drive us further into an echo chamber. Now, I will call out when this author is making mistakes, I believe, by making this, again, a left-right issue. But yes, you had this new movement, this new right. I remember it clearly because I was active uh, on Twitter with a fairly big account back in 2015-16. I was going to a lot of Trump rallies, dressed up like Trump, doing a Trump impression. It was unbelievable. I was there with Right Side Broadcasting, who was streaming all of the rallies. Uh, I got on InfoWars a few times. I think I was interviewed twice by Owen Schroyer, dressed up as Donald Trump. Uh, He had me out as myself with Terrence Williams. If you remember him, he would eat fried chicken on Twitter. I actually did a couple of comedy shows with Terrence Williams. So I was in and around that game. I was doing a lot of interviews on the New Right uh, movement podcasts that were growing. I didn't really fully understand what it was back then. I thought it was cool. I thought it was like conservatism was becoming the new punk rock. Uh, but now I'm starting to see what was behind 
that movement. I knew that Peter Thiel was behind MAGA 3X and the deplorable where I went dressed up as Trump, and that's where I met Owen Schroyer of InfoWars, uh, Mike Cernovich and others. Mike Cernovich I took a picture with but never talked to him again. Um, but I had met some people. I went there to, uh, to network and make some contacts as I was trying to market my Trump character and some of the other political comedians that I had managed. So I was in and around that world. Now, interesting point is, is off topic, but Maria Albanese told me to bring it up. So I have Owen Schroyer on text. I was able to text back and forth with him. He had Douglas Dakota on, who I used to manage and produced his show. Uh, they did like a veteran special with him and another guy I used to do some streaming with, American Joe, who was a veteran, and I had gone on InfoWars, as I said, a couple of times, and they had a one-hour um, special I was going to do over the internet as Trump with Roger Stone, but it got canceled because Roger Stone got arrested. That was when his house got raided, was the day we were supposed to do that show. Well, I happened to be going through Austin, Texas with Terrence Williams uh, for one of the comedy shows I did with him. And I had reached out to Owen. I said, hey, I'm going to be coming through the area. Why don't you let me stop by the studio as Donald Trump and come and do something with you guys? And they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me come to the studio. I was like, what is this, some CIA underground bunker? Which uh, I've come to believe it probably is. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get on there with Alex and uh, do something at the studio, and they wouldn't let me do it. So, all right, anyway, let, let, let's continue with this. It says, take, for instance, Vance, talking about J.D. Vance, and explaining to podcast host Jack Murphy why he became a Trump supporter after initially uh, disdaining, him, uh, disdaining him. Vance said, quote, I saw and realized something about the American elite and about my role in the American elite. That took me just a little, uh, just a while to figure out. I was red-pilled, end quote, using the reference Yarvin helped popularize. Quote, we are in a late Republican period, end quote, Vance told Murphy. Quote, if we are going to push back against it, we're going to have to get pretty wild and pretty far out there and go in directions that a lot of conservatives right now are uncomfortable with, end quote. Now, I have made the case on several podcasts, uh, not this one, it was before I did the Dustin Gold Standard, that if we were going to battle, and, and this was me with my conservative hat on, but if we were going to battle the left on issues like, uh, I probably said this two or three years ago, if we were going to battle the left on issues like uh, pro-life, Right At this time, it had come out that the left was now supporting partial birth abortion or even infanticide, you know, killing the baby when it came out on the uh, hospital table uh, because, let's say, it survived the abortion and the ability to kill it, that we were going to have to go so extreme, we would have to call for uh, complete pro-life measures under no circumstances, no abortion whatsoever. And that is how you had to battle back. You had to take the most extreme opposite of what they were doing if you wanted to fight back. At the same time, I was always advocating for the concept of restoring America or restoring the Constitutional Republic. I'm a little more woke to all that now. But what these guys are advocating for under Yarvin's theories is not that. They are talking to the right, baiting the right with the ideas of pushing back against the left and taking the power from the left. But their solution that they're offering 
is a king of a technocracy. So you're going to push back with this idea of what will end up being fascist uh, communism. The technocracy wants to control the means of production and the distribution of the goods and services. That's communism. While at the same time, they want to put a king, a monarch in charge of it, you will have fascism, folks. So that is where these guys have to be. This Thiel network has to be playing people, playing the right, because if they're grabbing the right by saying we're going to fight the left, but the solution is to install technocratic fascist communism, then they are obviously not on the side of freedom and liberty and human autonomy. Folks, when I get back more on this, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. Folks, if you haven't checked out the Thomas Payne podcast, I recommend you do so. I used to listen to it religiously. I would mix it in with all of the conspiracy podcasts and technology podcasts, business podcasts I would listen to. Um, and I just haven't had time. I, I feel horrible uh, because I used to drive around in my car a lot. I would listen to eight or ten podcasts a day. And now I've just been so uh, absorbed with just continuing to research technocracy and transhumanism and now networking with everyone who has become part of the Dust and Gold Standard family in and around this show. And so that's what all my time goes to now. But check that show out, folks, especially Fridays with Maria Albanese, good friend of mine for the last several years, fantastic person, wealth of knowledge. And Mike has an extensive background in and out of government, investigative journalism. Uh, you know, he knows so much. And he's over there. He's been on the forefront of dissecting and dismantling the COVID scams and schemes over the last two years. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to this. It says, after Yarvin stepped away from his startup, the company behind the open source software project Urbit, now that was funded by Thiel. It was the company that came out of Urbit that was funded by Peter Thiel. Uh, And this was back in 2019 that Yarvin stepped away. It goes on to say, The American Mind, the online publication of the conservative think tank, the Claremont Institute, began publishing Yarvin's essays, effectively welcoming him into the now mainstream discourse on the right. He became a frequent guest on the New Right podcast, and in 2020, he started a substack, at first using it, to post excerpts from an in-progress book, but eventually returning to his blogging roots. Then when Trump tried and failed to overturn that year's election result, Yarvin's longtime interest in, quote, regime change, end quote, suddenly became more relevant. Now, if you remember, most of you, I would say if we were 
sort of in the mainstream or even the social media world of this uh, Trump, well, let's call it Trump conservatism or Trumpism. We were talking about building a wall. We're going to build a wall. It's going to be so great. It'll be so high. It'll not only stop illegal aliens, it'll stop space aliens. Believe me, folks. Believe me. But we were into building a wall. We were into locking her up, right? And then we had this uh, whole movement growing out of Gamergate. You had Milo Yiannopoulos. You had uh, Gavin McGinnis, all these different characters. You had Roger Stone, Alex Jones running around. And we were talking about pushing back against political correctness, which is really cultural Marxism. And for those of you that don't know about this stuff, we can do shows on this. But uh, a pushback against cultural Marxism. It was a pushback against all these leftist ideas. But what we've seen actually happen, folks, in the last seven years since the 2015 presidential election uh the race you know the republican primaries leading into the presidential race and then trump's presidency is actually the left has pushed back so hard that now all of this transgender gender bender stuff has been completely de uh normalized through these desensitization campaigns uh stuff has only really gotten worse and so there was this war going on and a lot of us thought okay this is great let's push back this is how i saw it let's push back against the left finally let's take the war to them let's try to destroy some of this cultural rot that has come in and destroyed our country our culture and unfortunately that really didn't happen it just kind of further divided people probably all part of a psychological uh, operation in the meantime we lost hold of what we were fighting for which was to restore america to quote unquote make it great again make america and stuff and everything great again let's make america great so incredible we'll do it and so that is uh that is what i think actually happened probably part of the operation the last vestiges of this idea of conservatism as we saw it in the past uh were gone it had been destroyed and replaced by what they call the new right which if these articles i've been reviewing are accurate and they're connected to the people like peter thiel i see that the new right is really the push for the right to embrace this idea of technocracy uh, i think it's a giant trap to be honest with you all right it goes on to say how to win absolute power in washington talk of an american coup may sound bizarre but coups are not that weird they happen in other countries and in yarvin's telling they've happened in the u.s sort of well i mean christ we commit coups all over the world goes on to say he argues that alexander hamilton abraham lincoln and franklin d roosevelt each so sweepingly expanded presidential power centralizing authority and establishing new departments that they can be said to have founded new regimes yes i would agree with that it goes on to say but yarvin wants to see something even more dramatic in posts such as quote reflections on the late election end quote and the quote butterfly revolution end quote and podcast appearances such as those with former trump official michael anton and writer brian chow yarvin has laid out many specific ideas about how the system could really be fully toppled and replaced with something like a centralized monarchy. 
something he frames this as what Trump should have done in 2020, what he should but won't do in 2024, or what some other candidate should do in the future if they want to seize power. Quote, Trump will never do anything like this, end quote, Yarvin wrote. Quote, but I won't disguise my belief that someone should, someone worthy of the task, of course, end quote, right? So again, he is pushing for someone to come in and to uh, rise as, you know, he says a monarch, as a dictator, okay? He thinks there's going to be a benevolent king here. And so he's pushing for the rise of a dictator. Now, it may not be Trump who does this. I think what we're going to slowly see occur over the next uh, few years is this rise of a king from the outside, okay, outside of the political system. And this may be someone like Elon Musk. As I showed you the other day, the narrative is being set up that Musk is this guy pushing back against the federal government, the federal government that built him up and made him into the person he is today and why he's allowed to play the richest man on earth. But they're building him up as this Tony Stark character, this guy who works hand-in-hand with the military-industrial complex, but he's hip and he's cool, and so they're going to set him up to look like he is battling against the corrupt elements of the government. I just, I could see it happening. I'm usually pretty good at this. Again, this is my opinion, sort of my theory. Things could change. I'll let you know if I change my mind, but that's kind of what I see happening. And uh, I kind of look at Musk as, even though he gets to play the richest man on the earth, I, I kind of look at him as a puppet of... Uh, Peter Thiel. Thiel being the don of the PayPal mafia, Musk coming out of the PayPal mafia, and then Thiel being invested in uh, many, if not all, of Elon Musk's companies. Um, So, I don't know. Musk may be a puppet of Peter Thiel. And then Joe Rogan goes over and promotes Elon Musk going back to 2018 as the guy who should govern the technocratic system and artificial intelligence and transhumanism and rogan makes him look cool they smoke a joint they drink whiskey together and so one could argue that peter thiel is behind uh joe rogan and a bunch of the intellectual dark web folks that rogan surrounds himself with uh, and that uh, Peter Thiel is also behind. But, you know, the Weinstein brothers, for instance, one of them is a Peter Thiel employee, folks. So we, we can get into that, hopefully, with Maria Albanese. Um, it's not stuff I'm afraid to talk about. I'll talk about anybody, anytime, anywhere. There's only a couple of uh, topics that I that I have to shy away from or will be censored and banned everywhere, and I'm saving those conversations later for some sort of premium content behind the pain.tv slash gold paywall where it stays private and we can talk about this stuff in a way that won't get us censored. Because if we get censored and we lose the ability to put out the show, then all the solution ideas that are coming and we'll talk about are also going to be um you know wiped off the radar and that will not be good uh we're playing a game on their battlefield they set up the landmines the speed bumps 
you know, the roadblocks. And so we have to maneuver around those in a strategic way. You know, at the end of the day, when you are doing podcasting, you are playing within the sandbox owned and controlled by the technologists and the technocrats that you unfortunately are trying to expose and educate people about. But that's just the way it is. It goes on to say, it is basically a set of thought experiments about how to dismantle U.S. democracy and its current system of government. Writer John Gans, reviewing some of Yarbin's proposals, concluded, quote, if that's not the product of a fascist imagination, I don't know what possibly could be, end quote. Many of these are similar to events preceding the fall of democracies elsewhere in the world. Again, Yarbin's prominent fans, like Vance and Masters wouldn't fully endorse this program. Masters told NBC that he would have, quote, a different prescription, end quote, of what to do than Yarvin, and that he believes in the Constitution, but some aspects of it have caught their attention. Campaign on it and win. First off, the would-be dictator should seek a mandate from the people by running for president and openly campaigning on the platform of, as he put it to Chow, quote, if I'm elected, I'm going to assume absolute power in Washington and rebuild the government, end quote. All right, so it's similar to the rhetoric that came out of Trump. I'm the man who can fix it, the only one who can fix it, right? Only I alone can do it, folks. Only I alone can do it. So what they're advocating for, again, this is where a lot of this doesn't make sense to me. And so you're going to start to see an alternative solution they'll probably offer, that we need this technocratic president, this technocratic king outside of the system, is because if you say that the person should campaign and therefore they end up with the mandate uh, from the people, you can't believe that any this person could win in an election if you've already gotten on board with the idea that the presidential election in 2020 was rigged. Because if Trump was the president, I've explained this before, folks, but if Trump was the president and he couldn't stop the election from being rigged and stolen, then how is anyone running from the outside who is saying they're going to tear apart the current form of government, literally reset it, reboot it, and install a technocratic king who's going to seize total power and answer only to the will of the people but ignore everything else and basically strip down government? How is that person going to be allowed to win an election when all of the institutions involved, if you believe the FBI, the CIA, everything else is corrupt, uh, how, how would that happen? They would just rig the election in the other way. So that's why a lot of what they talk about doesn't make sense because on one hand, they believe the election was rigged. On the other hand, they believe they could win an election with a guy who claims that he's going to be a dictator and his job is to overthrow and dismantle the current form of government and fire everyone inside of the government, which would mean everyone inside of the government would be on board with rigging the election against this particular person you see so when you break down their rhetoric using common sense and critical thinking and you know they have the ability to do that in fact they have artificial intelligence that would tell them this they know that that is not something that would work nor fly anyway folks so this goes to show you that they're up to something a lot more nefarious than throwing this rhetoric around and again yarvin is influential 
or he would not have money from Peter Thiel, nor be in Peter Thiel's inner circle, nor be able to hang out with Peter Thiel at his 2016 election party. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. We'll figure this out, folks. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Payne.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, and I am Dustin Gold. All right, folks, I want you to pay careful attention to this, and then I'll explain. I will explain. It says, the idea here would be not to frame this as destroying the American system, but rather as improving a broken system that so many are frustrated with. Congress is unpopular, the courts are unpopular, the federal government is unpopular. Why not just promise to govern as president as you see fit without their interference and see if people like that idea? Now, I explained to you the other day that possibly what we had happen under Trump was to lift the veil on the corruption, criminality, treason, and sedition, uh, election rigging, and other things within government. And therefore, you could create this uh, disdain for Congress and the courts and the federal government, right? And, and this is why I think the elites within that system, these career bureaucrats that cycle in and out of the private public sector, uh, were part of this. I think a lot of the Russiagate, Spygate, everything else that we had to deal with for three years until COVID land, the high school theater production came around, was all part of was all part of this, making people frustrated with the government. Now, I talked to Maria Albanese about this last night. And so she brought up a point that no, both the right and the left still cheer on the government. And I said, well, they, they cheer on the government, but they hate the government, right? So the left, or at least the orchestrated you know, movements, BLM, Antifa and such, their whole thing was that the police are corrupt. Well, the police are the government, so they hate the government. But at the same time, they'll cheer on the government if the government is going after Trump. At the same time, uh, we say the government is corrupt. There's a deep state. And they're corrupt, but then as soon as we hear someone like Durham or Barr, you think that they're going to go after the people going after Trump, then all of a sudden you think the government is good. Or QAnon has you believing that there are white hats within the government. And so it's a bit of schizophrenia, folks. People go back and forth. But I think they could make government appear to be totally corrupt. And so what Yarvin is saying is that you run on this idea of not destroying the American system, but basically ending the legislative branch and the judicial branch and only having the president make all the decisions. Well, that's actually destroying the American system. Now, I'm not saying the American system is bad. I'm just pointing out, because I don't have the solution to this, but either you're running on an idea of restoring a constitutional republic Right, Either that's what you believe in or you believe in something completely different. 
So if you have someone who's supposedly from the right who is running on the idea of dismantling the constitutional republic altogether, throwing it out the window, not trying to clean up the corruption within it and shrink the size of government, but you're going to throw the whole system out the window and have a king come in and control it all. Well, what is the difference between what the right believe that someone like Obama or a Bernie Sanders or an AOC wants to do? Right, So you say, well, they want to end the Constitutional Republic and they want to replace it with communism. That's what we were always told, right? And they can't do that. You know, they, they have to go back to the Constitutional Republic. So what's the difference? What's the difference if all of a sudden now Yarvin and Peter Thiel and this gang are promoting the idea of destroying the Constitutional Republic, throwing it out the window, and replacing it all with a dictator? That will, instead of, now you have to think about this, folks. This is very important. If you get rid of the legislative branch, it's Congress, and you get rid of the judicial branch, which are the courts. Okay, so now what happens with, even even if you believe the legal system is completely corrupt like legal man, you have to say, now what happens to the concept due process, right? So you're going to throw that out the window. So who's going to be in charge of that? And then, let's say you get rid of Congress and you just have a voting system. Let's say their solution is an app, and you vote on the app, and then the president enacts the will of the people. Well, now, if you have no court system, where do you get due process? How can you file lawsuits, civil suits, small claim suits against people that ripped you off or I don't know, you fell on somebody's property, whatever that may be. And then let's say the third part here, because he's talking about Congress, the courts, and the federal government, let's say you get rid of the whole executive branch except the president. So you're going to get rid of all the departments, which you know I would generally agree with, but the, you have to ask what is their solution to how all of the the, the will of the people is actually enacted through the departments under the executive branch, right? So what happens there? And so, folks, this is where the idea of the technocracy is going to merge in with this, which will be run by an artificial intelligence system. But that is controlled by, and the algorithms are written by, the technocratic oligarchs uh, like Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, and others. So now what will happen is you'll have this idea, like stakeholder capitalism under Klaus Schwab, that the governments, the state governments will be gone. Uh, so even the illusion of having a public uh, sector, uh, a government of we the people, will now be concentrated under a king technocrat who will enact the will of the people, but the job will be done by the so-called private sector companies that are actually these like massive monopolies that oversee the various sectors within the technocracy. I, I hope you're understanding that. Eventually, I will be able to clarify this and paint uh, a prettier picture of how this is illustrated better. But I, but this is what you have to ask yourself. When he's advocating for this, you have to start to use critical thinking. And you have to try to reverse engineer and engineer what he's talking about, how it works. And somebody like this isn't just spouting these ideas uh, 
when he's connected to and influences people like Peter Thiel. There is a game plan behind this. And so if you're going to destroy the American system, of which he says that's not what it's about, but of course that's what it's about, you're not saying arrest all the criminals, shrink the government, and bring us back to our founding. You're saying throw the whole thing out the window, put a king in charge, and then that king will enact the will of the people, but how will that be done? So it will be done through the technocracy through stakeholder capitalism, which is basically just ruled by the corporations. It goes on to say, quote, you're not that far from a world in which you can have a candidate in 2024, even maybe, end quote, making that pledge, Yarvin continued, quote, I think you could get away with it. That's sort of what people already thought was happening with Trump, end quote, Yarvin said, Quote, to do it for real does not make them much more hysterical. And, uh, Yarvin laughed, it's much actu- uh, it's actually much more effective, right? So Yarvin is now advocating for someone to run on this in 2024 and see if they can get people on board with it. And it would basically be, you know, a Trump on steroids because they thought this was what Trump was already going to do. Uh, And people got on board with it, and he's saying, let's see if we can now try it again, but actually have somebody do it. It goes on to say, it no longer seems clear that voters would reject such a pitch. Trump's um, ascendancy already proves that many American voters are no longer so enamored of niceties about the rule of law and civics, class uh, Pites about the greatness of the American separated powers system. Political messaging about, quote, threats to democracy, end quote, has polled poorly this year with voters not particularly engaged by it. See, they've socially engineered uh, people into accepting something like this. I, I brought this. It's, it's all starting to become clearer and clearer to me, folks. Every single day, that I do more research and do another show and sort of think this through and war game it out in my head on paper and uh, live right here like I'm doing uh, or in discussions with people like Magdalene Rose, it's all becoming more clear to me. As I mentioned to her over the last seven, eight years, the idea, the labels of conservatism or liberalism mean nothing anymore. I don't think people can actually define what they are. I have said that conservatism once meant fiscally conservative and socially conservative, and then you had these sort of varying, you know, you could take a 10-point multiple-choice test within uh, fiscal conservatism or traditional or social conservatism and basically see where you fall on the conservative scale. But now people are so mixed up they don't know what they need, right? And so as he's saying, this threats to democracy polled poorly this year because they've desensitized people to it. The left will say, Trump is a threat to democracy. And Trump will say, AOC is a threat to democracy. And before you know it, nobody knows what a threat to democracy is. In fact, nobody knows what a democracy is. And nobody knows what a threat is. And so this is how you basically desensitize people to it. Until the point where someone can run on this. And and I'm guessing... I'm guessing what they'll ultimately do, 
because I believe all the propaganda is strategized. I believe it's all run through their AI systems. All the messaging is um, perfectly constructed. As I told you, they literally are driving people into personalized echo chamber feedback loops. And so at some point, they could literally introduce someone like a Musk type now, he's been playing to the right lately, but they can introduce someone like a must type who comes, who rises up and offers this path of, you know, this streamlined, fair, uh, efficient system. And people on both sides will accept it. Now, I don't believe it's because they need people to vote for it. Again, I think the elections are rigged. Even if you want to believe when you pull a lever or feed a ballot into a machine that that is not rigged, it's rigged in the sense that both candidates are already bought and paid for by the same system. So no matter who wins, they're already on board with the big picture, right? Uh, and then on top of it, how easy it is is it to rig something? You don't even have to rig the machines, You know, if you work in a local, uh, like in a school, and you volunteer to do election, um, you know, election watching or whatever, or run the systems, at the end of the night, you take those numbers from your polling place, and you call them into your Republican or your Democrat committee, and then those numbers are all collected, and then, excuse me, folks, they send them out to the candidates, Then they go to the local news and they're printed. Well, at the end of the night, Anderson Cooper or Tucker Carlson or whoever could just say, you know, Dustin Gold won. Well, who's going to argue with that? There's nothing you could do. So elections can be rigged. And so it's not about voting. It's about getting the vast majority of people who could be a problem on board with this system or this dictator because as i told you the last thing they want to have to do is to force people into a system with national guard in the streets with tanks and guns because that just won't work if you could brainwash people propagandize them and mind control them into the concentration camp Why would you not do that? Get them to willingly walk into the concentration camp versus having to corral them with guns. And now they're inside the concentration camp and they're literally fighting back and trying to smash guards in the head with rocks and trying to poison guards. And that's just not the way you would do it. That's why when people worry about the UN coming into the streets with guns and tanks and corralling us, they don't have to do that anymore, folks. They can walk you into their system. Now, they can punish you using the IRS. They could eventually punish you by taking away your CBDC tokens out of your government, you know, crypto wallet and stuff. That will all be part of it, social score. But we already effectively have social scores within this system. Okay, the more people that get driven into gig work, those people are already operating under a social score system. Look at me. I'm sitting here begging you for five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I am playing into this social score system. I need this podcast to be successful. 
other than me doing what I love doing, which is talking to you about the truth, it has to be successful for me to be able to make some money so I can put food on my table and continue to do what I love and hopefully wake up some people. But see, I'm already shilling into this social score system. So it's it's already here. Now they can get people on board with the idea of a king technocrat and the technocracy running us without having to force them in by gunpoint. And that is a major win for them. And it's not impossible to do with mass mind control, propaganda, all this stuff we've been talking about here at the Dustin Gold Standard. Folks, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. I'll be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and this is pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's continue here. It goes on to say another piece of advice Yarvin has in this vein is that the would-be dictator should try to prevent blue America from feeling so terrified about the new regime that they take to the streets and make it fall apart. See, that's the whole thing. They don't want this pushback. And so all of these elites, these social engineers, trust me, this is what they war game all day long, folks. Time is on their side, but they do seem like they are accelerating and that they are... Uh, operating at warp speed. I talked a little bit about this with Dan Golvach when he came on the show, why we believe possibly that they are accelerating this, like they're up against a timeline. It goes on to say, instead, ideally liberals and leftists should feel so disillusioned with the status quo that they're ready for something new. See, this is what I brought up to you earlier. He thought things were on a promising trajectory on this front during the early Biden administration, but has griped that the Dobbs decision may have scuttled this by firing up Blue America. Okay, so what he's saying is that the left, even with the election of Biden, he thought that they too would cheer on a system like this, okay? Because remember, there's a large portion of the left that wants someone like a Bernie Sanders. And so if they could paint someone like Joe Biden as this corrupt, you know, hair-sniffing, child diddler, you know, then the left will perceive that the country is also broken. But they're not going to fall into the hands of a Donald Trump. I'm telling you, it's going to be something like the rise of uh, Elon Musk from the outside. I I don't know exactly yet. I'm sure the more we research, the more we warm game this, we will figure it out. But to me, it seems like that. Or they're going to have to have some charismatic uh, young person, an Obama-like type, run uh, as an independent. They'll have to, if they want to play the party game, the typical political game, and make it appear as if this person has the will of the people, they were elected, then they will end up having to run, say, under the independent party who already has ballot slots 
on pretty much all of the uh, ballots in the various states. There's all kinds of rules. I haven't looked into those in probably five or six years, but that's what would have to happen because I don't think you're going to get someone to run from the right who is going to get people from the left to vote for them or someone from the left to get people from the right to vote for them. If they want to do it in a different way, they'll take someone like a, a Tulsi Gabbard and they'll run her with some other libertarian type from the right. But then it's hard to sell the message of basically a monarch if there's two people that you rely on. So I don't know. There's different plans they'll have, but this is stuff that I'm still kind of working out in my head. All right, it goes on to say, purge the federal bureaucracy and create a new one. Once the new president would be monarch is elected, Yarvin thinks time is of the essence. Quote, the speed that this happens with has to take everyone's breath away. Uh, It should just execute at a rate that totally baffles its enemies, end quote, he told Chow. Now, again, folks, if, if the bureaucracy and the leaders and the directors of the bureaucracy, the people that are part of the so-called deep state or administrative state, are not on board with this, if this is not orchestrated, it will not happen. So let's say they run Trump again. He agrees to play the king monarch. And he comes in and then he snaps his fingers and he says, everyone in the government is fired. Let's just say everyone is fired. Uh, at which point he, he would literally have to have a list of like what jobs were important. And if you want to believe in nation state enemies, how is this going to, you know, open us up to attack from China or North Korea or Russia or whatever. I mean, all these things come into play. We can't war game every scenario. It just goes to show me this is an orchestrated effort and they're all on board with this, okay? Because these people aren't going to just leave their offices. You saw the pushback, supposedly, I believe it was all orchestrated, from Trump on Trump when he supposedly was trying to you know, weed out the deep state and go after the CIA. And then the next thing you know, let's say they frame him up with the whole Russia situation. I believe that was all WWE theater. I'll make myself clear on that. But if it were for real, right? And again, this Yarvin guy is influential. He's in the company of Peter Thiel. He got money from Peter Thiel. So he's not just me or you writing about this or talking about it on this podcast. So this this would mean that all the people in charge of the government, in charge of the bureaucracy, would be on board. All right, that's why I'm telling you this is enacting basically the fourth industrial uh, stakeholder capitalism, basically because the merger of the private and public sectors has already taken place, and therefore this would have been a negotiated, orchestrated illusion that we're watching. All right, it goes on to say, wait a second now. The page just jumped because some ads opened up. Okay, it goes on to say, Yarvin says the transition period before inauguration should be used to intensively study what's essential for the federal government to do, determine a structure for the new government, and hire many of its future employees. Then once in power, it's time to, quote, retire all government employees, end quote, of the old regime, sending them off with nice pensions so they won't make much of a fuss. To circumvent Congress, the president should have his appointees take over the federal government, the Federal Reserve, and direct the Fed on how to fund the new regime. Okay, so now we're going to use the Federal Reserve 
to our advantage of which many libertarians uh, and conservatives have talked about how we needed to get rid of the federal reserve before which the final version of the federal reserve was put into place in 1913 in this country and it has not ended people like ron paul Rand paul have called for auditing the fed many have said they were going to shut down the fed in fact when donald trump became president I believe it was the first interview he did in the White House in the Oval Office with uh, Sean Hannity. He had a giant portrait of Andrew Jackson and a statue of Andrew Jackson behind the desk. The portrait was next to the desk. And Hannity said, why Andrew Jackson? And Trump said, well, because he had this difficult election. Well, I believed and I hoped it was a signal to the Federal Reserve that he was coming after them because Jackson actually shut down one iteration of the Federal Reserve and then actually paid off the national debt. But we won't get into that here. So now his idea is that he's going to put these appointees into the Federal Reserve and they're going to uh, handle funding this new regime. So this is his coup he's talking about. Talk of firing vast swaths of federal workers is now common on the right. In late 2020, Trump issued an executive order called Schedule F that would reclassify as many as 50,000 civil servants and middle management as political appointees who could be fired and replaced by the new president. Nothing came of it, and Biden quickly revoked it, but Trump's regime in exile is brainstorming what could be done with it in a second term, as Axios' Jonathan Swan has reported. To Yarvin, even that is a doomed half measure. Quote, you should be executing executive power from day one in a total, totally emergency fashion, end quote, he told Anton. Quote, you don't want to take control of these agencies through appointments. You want to defund them. You want them to totally cease to exist, end quote. This would, of course, involve some amount of chaos, but Yarvin hopes that will be brief and the actually essential work of government would quickly be taken over by newly created bodies that could be under the autocrats' control. Okay, so it would be done under emergency fashion, similar to what they tested under COVID land, the high school theater production, right? So when Trump was doing COVID land, the high school theater production under state emergency and allowing the vaccines to come out under emergencies and stuff, you didn't see anyone from the left complaining about that, did you? No, it seemed to be that everyone was on board with that, folks. Uh, while we were screaming about left-wing, liberal, progressive, Democrat uh, governors and mayors doing stuff, everyone was totally fine while Donald Trump was doing it because he wasn't forcing mandates, although there were mandates being forced through the public-private partnership. You see, it was all a scam, folks. And when you look at this stuff in context now, when you put it in context to what happened over the last two and a half years, you see that the test actually happened. And I'm telling you, Dick Cheney, actually had a lot of theories behind ultimate executive power and it seems to me like these folks are going to test it once again in fact it was test piloted under trump in the final year of his presidency under covid land the high school theater production and now they want to see how far they could go with it be interesting to see if dick cheney and any of his cohorts are uh, tied in with uh peter thiel all right ladies and gentlemen when i get back we're going to finish this up this is dust of gold with the dust of gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv 
Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the king of the technocracy. No, I'm not, folks. I'm just a host of the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The king of the technocracy, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine being anointed to that position. Eventually, it will be run by an AI humanoid cyborg. All right, this goes on to say, ignore the courts. All right, the rule of law in America is based on shared beliefs and behaviors among many actors throughout the system, but it has no magical power. The courts have no mechanism to actually force a president to abide by their wishes should he defy their rulings. Okay, Andrew Jackson was in favor of this. Yet, with certain notable exceptions, they have had an extraordinary track record of getting presidents to stay in line. Defying the Supreme Court means ending the rule of law in the U.S. and as has long been understood. Okay, and that would be, you know, the goal of destroying the courts. That's why with jury nullification, I have some questions uh, for legal man on this. And I brought up to you in the segment that I discussed this, if we're going to move to an AI-driven court system, and let's say you don't have to go to court. Basically, you would do court on your phone or in the metaverse, okay? And you would be punished by having CBDC tokens taken out of your government uh, crypto wallet, right? And I said to you, if that's the system they're going to eventually move to, oh, yes, and Peter Thiel has advocated for AI courts. I told you he has the uh, company now Do Not Pay that he's behind, uh, which is the beginning of AI lawyers. And so if you have these AI courts, I was saying, have they figured out this bridge period? At what point do they announce that the courts are irrelevant, due process is gone, the current legal system is out the window. Is there enough time to organize around jury nullification? Could we throw a wrench in the gears of this current system, this fourth industrial revolution era here that we're in, this bridge from the third industrial era to the fourth industrial era? You know, so it's interesting because it seems to be they're already wargaming this idea of how they're going to collapse the court system and basically wipe it out, ladies and gentlemen. Now, they have the left who would gladly get on board with that because of, let's say, all the cases of cops who shot black kids getting off the hook. Or on the right, they would say, uh, you know, the courts are corrupt over X, Y, and Z. And so you can build this, this um, hatred, this disdain for government very easily. I'm not saying the government doesn't deserve this, but I'm saying you have a system of a constitutional republic that has been corrupted. And the answer that the Peter Thiel crowd is throwing out there is to overthrow it, reboot it, and reset it with a technocracy ruled by a king. All right. Again, just always remember, we're not talking about restoring the constitutional republic here. Uh, And trust me, I've thought about this over the years. 
whether or not you use Alinsky tactics, if the uh, ends justify the means, and if you're willing to play dirty or be corrupt, what happens if you end up winning? Are you then restoring morality and ethics and civility to the system? Or have you been so corrupted that now you become part of a new corrupt regime? I've thought about this. I actually presented to several Republican conservative groups years ago after I studied Alinsky. And I said, listen, this had to do with campaign tactics. And I said, I'm willing to come in and get my hands dirty. Uh, you don't have to, you know, so I've thought about this stuff over the years, folks. Uh, but now what they're talking about is literally ending the whole concept of a constitutional republic of a liberal democracy and installing, uh, a dictator run by eventually an AI driven technocracy. It goes on to say Yarvin has suggested just that, that a new president should simply say he has concluded Marbury versus Madison. The early ruling in which the Supreme Court greatly expanded its own powers was wrongly decided. He's also said the new president should declare a state of emergency and say he would view Supreme Court rulings as merely advisory. See, that's where that state of emergency stuff comes into play. It goes on to say, would politicians back this? J.D. Vance in the podcast mentioned above said part of his advice for Trump in his second term would involve firing vast swaths of federal employees. Quote, and when the courts stop you, stand before the country like Andrew Jackson did and say, the chief justice has made his ruling, now let him enforce it, end quote. See, there you go, Andrew Jackson. Again, trust me. I actually would be on board with all this if the solution was not the technocratic king. The next section, co-op Congress. One reason past presidents may have been reluctant to defy the Supreme Court is that there is one body that can keep them in check. Congress, which can impeach and actually remove a president from office and ban him from running again. Right. As we saw, you know, Trump go through twice. Right. Now, congressional majorities have been gradually getting more deferential to their party's presidents, yet the threat of impeachment removal hung over much of Trump's decision-making and likely prevented him from going further in several key moments. For instance, he didn't fire special counsel Robert Mueller, and he backed down and left office after January 6th. While Mitch McConnell's allies were leaking that the GOP Senate leader might support impeachment in an apparent threat to Trump. Congress also frequently cut Trump out of policymaking, ignoring his veto threats. All right. So, again, this is why I'm saying possibly the Trump presidency was a test for this stuff. And I think we need to look a little bit behind uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, even though, you know, Liz Cheney and Donald Trump, you know, there, there's this back and forth. But let's look a little bit behind Dick Cheney at some point and see if there were any connections into Trump. Because basically Trump was testing a theory by Dick Cheney years earlier that they did under George W. Bush, which is that the executive can have basically unlimited powers. It goes on to say Yarvin's idea here is that Trump or insert future would be autocrat here should create an app the trump app 
and get his supporters to sign up for it. I believe they had those, folks. Trump should then handpick candidates for every congressional and Senate seat whose sole purpose would be to fully support him and his agenda and use the app to get his voters to vote for them in primaries. Again, this is counting on the fact that elections are not rigged, right? Trump has been picking primary favorites and had some success in open seat contests, but this would be a far more large-scale strategic and systematic effort. All right, so basically, you would download the Trump app, and it would say, you're going to vote for Dustin here, you're going to vote for Maria here, you're going to vote for Mike here, you're going to vote for Jim here, you're going to vote for VM here, you're going to vote for Legal Man here. And then basically, you're just going to go out and do it because the Trump app tells you to do it, and then hope that the elections are not actually rigged. It goes on to say, the goal would be to create a personalistic majority that nullifies the impeachment and removal threat, and that gives the president the numbers to pass whatever legislation he wants. If you can win majorities in this way, then congratulations, you've turned the U.S. into a parliamentary dictatorship, end quote, Yarvin told Chow. Effectively, the U.S.'s Madisonian separation of powers will have been made moot. Quote, I think it could be done by um, anyone with a few billion dollars to spare, end quote. He continued, quote, this is what pisses me off, that I don't know anyone would like billions of dollars who could do this, end quote. He then paused, which you can read into as you wish, quote, oh, you know, such is life, end quote. Well, he does know Peter Thiel, and Peter Thiel is friends with Elon Musk, and Elon Musk would like nothing more than a king dictatorship, a king dictator technocracy, right? So Peter Thiel has the money. uh, Elon Musk has the money. And if Donald Trump is going to be part of this, even though Thiel and Trump are supposedly on the outs right now, um, maybe because Trump was supposed to do this and he didn't, who knows? Um, They know Donald Trump was supposedly has all this money. And along with Trump, And along with Thiel and along with Musk come all the other billionaires. So, yes, they could actually do this if they wanted to, folks. It goes on to say, centralized police and government powers. Moving forward in the state of emergency, Yarvin told Anton the new government should then take, quote, direct control over all law enforcement authorities, end quote federalize the National Guard and effectively create a national police force that absorbs local bodies. This amounts to establishing a centralized police state to back the power grab as autocrats typically do. Okay, yes, this type of stuff happens in uh, Peru quite often. I actually had a friend of mine whose father was the head of the national police in Peru and was involved there in a coup. And then they actually had to get him out of the country and move him to the United States before he was killed. But uh, never mind that one, folks. But no, so now effectively you have the right, the new right under Yarvin, who uh, has Thiel's ear talking about federalizing the police uh, and the National Guard taking over all the local police and then concentrating them under the federal government. Exactly what we would say we don't want if you're for local government fighting back against the state and federal governments and saying that we want our sovereignty back as localities. This would be the complete opposite. This is concentrating 
all power under the federal government and even removing the illusion of representative government and the illusion of due process. That's what they are advocating for, folks. Just erasing Congress, erasing the courts, and now erasing localities' ability to even defend themselves, even though the police have been corrupt and they're tarnished, but that is all part of this game. You can understand now why they have uh, demasculated the emasculated the police and they have uh, have uh, basically let the criminals run free and the people now mad at the police because it all falls under a plan like this it says whether this is all plausible in the united states anytime soon well you'll have to ask the national guard and police officers quote you have to be willing to say okay when we have this regime change we have a period of temporary uncertainty which has to be resolved in extremely peaceful ways end quote he says Yarvin also wants his new monarch's absolute power to be truly absolute, which can't really happen so as long as there are so many independently elected government power centers in especially blue states and cities. So they'll have to be abolished in almost all cases. That would be surely that would surely be a towering logistical challenge and create a great deal of resistance to put it mildly. Right? So you see what he's saying there? Uh, they want to now abolish all of the state governments and local governments. So what he is advocating for, this man who spent the 2016 election with Peter Thiel, who has taken money from Peter Thiel, who has the ear of Peter Thiel, is to now abolish all the local and state governments, the police forces, the Congress, and the courts, folks. This is what the new right is advocating for. This is total and complete uh, fascism, folks, concentrated under a dictator who will then be in control of the technocratic government that runs the country for him. Do you see how this works, folks? This is what we are dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back because I'm going to deal with this short break. I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. With the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, it's pretty crazy, right? Should this be called the new right or should this be called the new left, ladies and gentlemen? I'm serious, folks. This is what they're up to. This is what they are up to. And folks, we're going to start to examine some of this stuff also uh, from the left because technocracy spans... Uh, right and left. There's a lot of people on board with this from uh, what you would call the right or the left. Frankly, I think the right and left paradigm is dissolving. (laughs) And apparently this is the uh, new government that these people have gotten on board with. It goes on here, a next step is shut down elite media and academic institutions. Now, recall that according to Yarvin's theories, true power 
is held by the cathedral they have to go to. The new monarch dictator should order them dissolved. Quote, you can't continue to have a Harvard or New York Times past the start of April, end quote, he told Anton. After that, he says people should be allowed to form new associations and institutions if they want, but the existing cathedral power bases must be torn down. And we'll eventually get into his theory on the uh, cathedral. Now, again, look, if, if this was the plan to tear down this corrupt system and to start back from ground zero in the form of a new constitutional republic i don't know i think you can get some people on board with this uh would i be willing to take the risk yeah i think so i think so i might get on board with cheering on something like this because i know that someone can't win get into office and then dismantle the government and everything else uh without doing something so extreme as this uh but it would be a coup to restore us to the constitutional republic and people would have to decide if they got a, wanted to get on board or you want to continue down the road of corruption. But when you throw the big piece of this into it is that it ends up with a technocracy ruling over us. No, I mean, I, I will not. I will not. I would rather deal with a completely corrupt constitutional republic than a technocracy. Okay, technocracy is game over folks because it comes hand in hand with transhumanism and that is the engineering of humanity out of existence that is a war on humanity and i will never ever 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 get on board with something like that but at least these people have a plan therefore what would our plan be think about that it goes on to say turn out your people finally throughout this process yarvin wants to be able to get the new rulers supporters to take to the streets quote you don't really need an armed force you need the maximum capacity to summon democratic power that you can find end quote although he wants to end democracy he wants democratic power to help this person rise uh to power goes on to say he pointed to the quote trump app quote idea again which he said could collect 80 million cell numbers and notify people to tell them where to go and protest peacefully for instance they could go to an agency that's defying the new leader's instructions to tell them quote support the lawful orders or this new lawful authority end quote now this is not a, a a new concept this trump app it's almost like a walker app i haven't been involved with grassroots on the ground politics in years but back then we would get uh walking lists uh from the state republican party and so this is similar they have walking apps there's all sorts of companies that make these and so the person who is directing the campaign organizing the grassroots door knockers can send out instructions you know included with maps and gps and you can mark off what houses you went to so basically what he's talking about is having an app that now directs pockets of supporters almost like mini january 6th type of events to be dispatched to uh, various locations and when he says the trump app could collect 80 million cell numbers they already have this folks uh the trump you know technology uh you know that, that came out of the uh 2016 and 2020 elections uh 
the technologists, they've already collected this. There's been a lot of people involved with this type of stuff. I believe even Peter Thiel might have been involved with some of it as well. Uh, I'd, I'd have to check in with that, so I'm just guessing. It says, he points to the post-Soviet revolutions in Eastern Europe as a model, saying the enormous mass of people, quote, shouldn't be menacing in this January 6th sense. It should have this joyous sense that they're that you're actually winning and winning forever and the world is being completely remade, end quote. And he says that though many police officers follow orders during their day jobs, many of them also support Trump, so perhaps they could signal that by putting on, uh, quote, a special armband, end quote, right. So now you're going to have police walking around with a special dictator armband. Mm-hmm, yeah. That won't be strange. Does he want us to walk around with COVID passports too? Maybe you can have a special dictator passport, special papers that you walk around with to prove you're on board with the king technocrat. Goes on to say, quote, if the institutions deny the president the constitutional position he has legally won in the election, the voters will have to act directly, end quote. Yarvin wrote, quote, Trump will call his people into the streets, not at the end of his term, when he is most powerless, at the start, when he is most powerful. No one wants to see this nuclear option happen. Preparing for it and demonstrating the capacity to execute it will prevent it from having to happen, end quote. Now, I don't know what he's talking about as far as a term. I mean, if you're declaring yourself the monarch, the dictator, the king, the CEO, uh, and you're getting rid of Congress, the courts, local law enforcement, state governments, local governments, and concentrating all power under the king, where does the term come from? Where do the elections now come from, folks? See, again, a lot of this doesn't make sense, but they are setting the stage. They are setting the stage for the takeover of you're going to believe in this one man, this king. But in reality, what he's doing is he's going to bring in the technocracy. That is what this king is doing. That is his job, folks. They are going to bring the king in. It says, sowing seeds of doubt in democracy. Yarvin and I spoke for nearly two and a half hours recently. He prepped his comments with hundreds of historical references. And as he often does with left uh, interlocutors, he focused on areas where he appeared to believe he could find common ground. He was at pains to reassure me that he didn't believe the U.S. regime was going to fall anytime soon, saying that this was a, quote, generational, not a media, end quote, process. Quote, part of my project now is to say, let's make this a little less of an abstraction. Let's imagine what it might look like in a way that it doesn't scare anyone, end quote, he said. Okay, similar to what we're talking about there with jury nullification. He wants to start to bring these theories into practice. It says, quote, it is dangerous. Any kind of serious political change is dangerous. And where we are is also dangerous, end quote, he said. He named specifically the possibility of nuclear war in Ukraine, which does seem quite dangerous, though it cannot be laid solely at the feet of democracy. 
And while saying he was not exactly a fan of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he sang the praises of New Deal Washington as a time when the U.S. government could actually achieve impressive things, bemoaning that no longer that it no longer can. Well, it shut down the entire country uh, under COVID land, the high school theater production. So maybe he missed that, folks, because that was an enormous thing. That was as close to dictatorial power as we have seen, ladies and gentlemen. So he advocates for the use of state emergency, the state emergency powers. And I'm telling you, I think that might have been a test for a system like this, ladies and gentlemen, the rise of the technocracy. And now you're looking at someone that Maria Albanese said to me was the Yuval Noah Harari of the Dark Enlightenment. And now we know one of the king philosophers of the new right, someone who is quite influential and has the ear of Peter Thiel and other major technocratic transhumanists. Ladies and gentlemen, when we return tomorrow, I will finish this piece and share a little bit more information on what I dug up on Peter Thiel outside of what we've already done and then get back into A couple of articles on transhumanism before we start to bring on several guests to talk about solutions to these problems that we face. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. <laughs> 